The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. So just a bit of um, history around the, the first reading, which I think is quite interesting. And so this is not the first time that uh, St. Peter has been thrown into prison. Uh, So this is kind of later on in the Acts of the Apostles. This is chapter 12. He has already been placed in prison a couple of times by the leaders of the the Jewish people, so by the the temple leaders. They have put him a few times in prison initially in those early stages of the church. We're still in the early stages of the church. But they had initially put him in prison so that he would stop preaching the name of the Lord. And each time he would come out and he would just continue preaching and they would say, well, we told you not to. And he would say, well, I don't care that you told me not to. Uh, He says, again, should I listen to God or should I listen to men? And so he has this beautiful confidence now in the Holy Spirit, this courage to preach the truth and the proclamation of the faith that has been given to him in a very particular way that we see in terms of its care in the gospel today. He is the one upon which the Lord will build his church. The deposit of faith is given to him for its defense, that he will protect it, that he will proclaim it also with truth, and that he will teach Christ with truth, that the Lord will, that the Lord will be known as he is. And we can see that that is that clarification in the gospel, that out of all of those kind of common opinions of who Christ is, none of them is right until it comes from the lips of Simon Peter, And then those who are part and united to that profession of faith of Peter are the ones who hold the right knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so it is for this defense then that we can see this outpouring of this charism that has been given to him, a charism where we can see the Lord shows. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so it is a work of heaven that then Peter is given this role, this charism for the leading of the church, for the defense of the faith and for the guarding of our faith. And so it is also for us then to be united with Peter, to be united in the faith of Peter. That's what we are called to do. 
so that when the Lord asks us at the end of our lives as well, who do you say that I am? Our knowledge of Christ and who we proclaim Christ to be must align with the profession of the faith of St. Peter. And so again, it is for us to grow in our knowledge of that faith as we do in our Catholic faith, but then also to proclaim Christ truly in terms of who he is. We can come to know him truly. And it's important that we come to know him truly because if we do not know the Son, we do not know the Father. And so the Lord has given to his people a gift which is this magisterium of the church by which the Son can be properly known so that the Father can be truly known as well. So that's the gift. That's why the Lord has done this, one of the reasons. And so you can see now in the first reading then, uh, Peter is still defending this faith and he has been persecuted from all sides. And now the persecution shifts. It's uh, not no longer from the leaders of the Jewish people. They are still obviously against this new Christian, what they would see as a kind of schism or sect that has grown up uh, in their city and they still want it eradicated. They don't want it there, but it is gaining strength and popularity. So in a certain sense, they fear what is building within their own city walls. And so Herod, who himself, uh, not a Jew, but he has this friendship with the Jewish people. He's the one who uh, kind of gave beauty uh, to their temple. He's the one who added to it. And so it was under him that the temple was uh, not rebuilt, but at least all of the finishings of the temple were done, which made it absolutely magnificent. And so there is accounts from Josephus, the Jewish historian, where he says that even when the Roman soldiers came into Jerusalem to see Jerusalem, so at different points, the Roman soldiers obviously surrounding Jerusalem at the end before they completely destroyed it, but it is said that the, the Roman soldiers, when they arrived, after having seen Rome, after having seen a lot of places in the world, when they came and saw the Jewish temple, they said it was the most beautiful building ever constructed by man. The most beautiful building ever constructed by man. And so again, it is this beautiful temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and so King Herod is the one who has done this. He's played a large role in doing this. And so he has this friendship with the Jewish people, a friendship which he maintains possibly it seems, so that he might maintain that authority, that they won't reject his authority. And so you can see that he likes to please the Jewish people. And so what he did, it says that the king laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church, and he killed the brother of John. So he killed James with the sword. And he kills James, who is the first bishop of Jerusalem. And then when he sees that it actually pleases the Jewish people, he kind of starts this, what will become an avalanche of persecution. And so he arrests more. He proceeded then to arrest Peter also. The protection of Peter, though, is that it was the feast or it was during the days of unleavened bread. And so in order not to break the Jewish traditions, he didn't want to kill Peter during that time in order to still please the Jews. But he decided that after this, these days of their celebration, that then he would present him to the people and Peter would be killed. But until that time, he puts Peter into prison and he puts four guards around him. And they're on this rotating roster of watching over Peter. Two of the guards are even chained to Peter. And so then what happens, it just makes what happens more miraculous. And so in this state where Peter is now basically waiting for death, the church is reduced to her greatest activity. And sometimes persecution brings that about. The church is reduced to prayer. 
which is not a reduction but an elevation, right? And so the church now takes up her primary role of prayer, and it says that intense prayer, earnest prayer, was made for him to God by the church. And so that is what is beautiful about this place as well, which is that this is where so many people died for that union with the Holy Father and where the prayer for him continues with beautiful intensity. This is what we are called to do. Pray for the Pope. Pray for the one who is that uniting principle of our faith. And so while Peter is kept in prison, earnest prayer goes up for him by the church. Prayer is not inactivity. Prayer is the highest activity. Sometimes that gets mistaken. People think that it is more active to go out and simply speak and shout about things. But that's inactivity. That's idle words. Prayer is not idle words. Prayer are words directed to the only one who can do anything about anything, God himself. And so then at that night, the very night when Herod was about to bring him out, it says, then Peter was sleeping. You can see he's at peace. He's sleeping between the two soldiers that he's chained to. And this angel comes in and then just knocks him in the side to wake him up. And so he wakes up, and as he wakes up, and as the angel says this, the chains fall away, and you see the power of the divine intervention, right? Nothing can, again, withstand when heaven intervenes. And so at this powerful intervention of God where he sends his angel, so then the chains fall away, and it says Peter simply walks past all of the gods with this angel. They just walk past. They go straight out into the streets of Jerusalem, and he finds himself then in the streets of Jerusalem in the dark, and then the angel leaves him. And then he kind of comes to his senses and realizes what's happened. He realizes the divine intervention. And so what he does then is he goes immediately to the church. He finds one of the meeting places, and we can see that he goes to the home of the mother of John Mark. He goes to the home of Mary. And he goes and he knocks at the door, and the maid comes, and she's so excited to see him that she runs off without opening the door for him. And so he's still standing outside waiting for her to come back. And so she goes out and she tells everyone, Peter's well, he's here, and everything like that. And so they go back out to let him in, right? And so it's this excitement and this joy at the protection over St. Peter that then again fills the church. They're delighted with the fact that he has been saved and protected by God. And so for also for us, it is our joy uh, to pray for the Holy Father to pray for him, to pray for his defense, to pray for his protection, and to pray for that unity that is required by God, that is prayed for by Jesus Christ himself in the upper room. And we can see that these prayers are not, again, as we've said, inactivity. It is prayer that accomplished everything that we read in the Acts of the Apostles today. It is prayer that then the Lord sends his intervention. And so we are called to this intense prayer. We're called to pray for the apostles, and the ones after them who lead the church and the magisterium to pray intensely for their defense, for the defense of our faith, and that the Lord will continue to work wondrous miracles in and through his church. Amen.